fuck's going on here? Talking like this at the bottom of the screen. All right, so I'm seeing from the bottom up that there's water and looking for things and investigating facial computing with unique UIDs and ages and duns. It's a to-do list. Uh, I, I was yeah. I was piecing that together. Yeah, I didn't make this easy. It was difficult you. without looking at the columns. I started from the bottom, which kind of handicapped my ability to know what I was reading. Yeah, I didn't make it easy for you. So you'll notice in the middle column there, there's a project column. Uh, so this is a to-do list manager called Task Warrior that allows you to assign projects to each of your to-dos. Uh, some of them can have none. And in fact, the nice thing about this to-do manager is that you can just like throw something in there from the command line very quickly by saying task, add, do a dish, for example, like item two on my list there, or excuse me, item uh, 3D08B, never mind. Anyway, so you'll notice that some of them are labeled talk. I do. I see yeah. that as a either project type or just character of project. I don't yeah. know what kind of field that is. Yeah, yeah. Just it's the it's the project field. So I, I gave a talk the other day because at Rhythm School right now we're advancing from the technical portion into the outcomes portion. And the outcome that we're all seeking generally is get a job. Yeah. Okay. So as part of the outcomes, we need to get comfortable presenting. And Joel, the head instructor of Rhythm School, gave a presentation, I think last week, like two Fridays ago, where he kind of introduced this concept of lightning talks, because that's the assignment for each of us, we're to give lightning talks. What is a lightning talk? It's a talk that takes like seven minutes. And he said during his presentation, uh, you don't have to like prepare PowerPoint like I did, although he like gave us a PowerPoint and he like had a prepared talk that he's given at some conferences a bunch of times. So when it, when it became time for us, the students, to give our talks that day, I went last. I didn't know it was going last. I, 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 my strategy was to go like kind of late into the session and then say like, no, 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 everybody. Like Joel said, and you'll remember, that we're not like only supposed to do PowerPoints. Or in fact, he encouraged us that we can do things besides PowerPoints. So I did a live demo from the command line uh, of Task Warrior <laughs> using Task Warrior with no PowerPoint slides, barely any practice. And then my presentation was a hit. I had a great time and everybody else had a great time too. Um, what were these other people doing? Were they doing power? Were they just following the Lemming style of slide decks? Is that? It, yeah. Everybody had a PowerPoint. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Um, and yeah, I guess it was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do something that Joel didn't do, so I'm going to have a PowerPoint too. And then I looked at the webcam and I sa and said to the webcam and everybody else, like, no, 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 we don't have to do this. And man, it was risky. And I was like, I want to take a risk here. What and was I did. what was the primary thrust of the talk? What was the purpose of giving it? <laughs> so. Joel came in during one of the uh, code reviews that we have. Um, I'll remind you that in the pair programming sessions, or rather in this boot camp, a lot of it is just doing pair programming sessions. And one of the, um, one of the big value adds that this boot camp gives to me over the just like independently studying is people just show up in your room to like watch you and give you feedback. Um, and make suggestions. And when they're making suggestions, 
it's like, oh crap, I gotta, I gotta take my notes, like write stuff down really fast. That doesn't always work because like there's a little bit of friction from when comments are coming at you, suggestions are coming at you. It's like, okay, I gotta write everything down. But then you don't. Except I, when I remember about the existence of Task Warrior, the thing that I just showed you, I do because I have a VS Code window here and at the bottom, I've got the terminal, okay? And at the terminal, Task Warrior is just always available. You just type in task, add, and then the thing that Joel just suggested that, suggested that you do. And he noticed that I did this one time and he said, oh, Matt, you use Task Warrior too? I use that sometimes. And it's like, you should give a lightning talk about that someday. And he said that like five weeks ago, back in the day where it's like, I don't know what this lightning talk thing that you're talking about is, um, but it stuck in my mind. And as we uh, as we approached the end of Friday, we're at the bottom of the curriculum or at the bottom of the plan for the day. It said lightning talks, and I didn't do anything. Like I forgot about this, and I didn't know that it was like an assignment for this day. And by the way, it turns out that we weren't actually assigned. It was just like an optional thing. But I was like. Oh, I didn't understand that at the time. So I'm like, what am I going to do? I know I'm going to give that talk that Joel recommended that I give about Task Warrior. And I pulled it off and I felt good. Was it listed in Task Warrior or did you recall it naturally? Was the talk listed in Task Warrior? Yes. No, I recalled this one naturally. Okay. <laughs> so what does that say about your test subject there? This was, so this was, um, one of the tasks that I had on the uh, on, in the talk project to like present to everybody was show the dark side of Task Warrior. Okay, so here's the dark side of Task Warrior. Sometimes you just kind of let it build and build and build and build and build, and then you stop. If you're me, you stop using it because you get overwhelmed by the presence of too many things on your to-do list. And that happened to me. So here's what I did. And here's what I've done several times. I declared bankruptcy once again. And this time I declared bankruptcy by printing out my task list, and putting it on my second desk. So now my old task list is ready for me to go and like obliterate. Well, okay. Everything's been obliterated at this point. Yeah. It's just all on paper now rather than in my computer. Yeah. There's a term for that. I forget what it is when you're in bankruptcy and you have to consolidate the <laughs> consolidate and prioritize. There's a is specific... it receivership? There's some specific word for that activity. I was just looking up what my uh, what my current task list number is at, and I'm at 32 in my primary list. That's about so. what I had when I deleted mine. Um, I, I'm getting I, really I was close. accumulating, and I was like, it's not an interest-bearing account, but I was accumulating tasks <laughs> up until like 39 or so. And yep. like some of them actually got done. I just didn't go back and like tick them off because I was starting to get like like that feeling that you feel when you like feel a task list getting too big, yeah. that feeling. Yeah. Um, so the dark side of Task Warrior that I demonstrated as the final part of my talk, where I said, well, here's the dark side of it. And I showed them my printout. And I love having those like little moments where it's like, it, that's not something you could do on a PowerPoint, right? You've got the physical thing to show them through the camera. That's right. right. So it's a little different, but it's like, you're it, a real digital being in that moment. I became a real digital being, and I ended the presentation by deleting all my tasks and saying, thank you for learning about Task Warrior. Very good. That was it. And it was a hit, and I had a good time. So 
I guess it's time to stack rank. I guess we'll actually, never mind. Let's close out the task warrior thought process first. So one of the ways that I get around having 30 items in my checkbox list, which always, when I do my own form of declaration of bankruptcy, which I call purging because it's a little less or a little more ruthless. I don't know which word. So ruthless is one of those weird words where it's built in as a negation in its natural form. So I, um, I screwed up on my... I forget what more or less qualifies as as a word, but uh, anyway. Um, so the way that I off-gas the desire to do that, um, which Task Warrior didn't really look like gives you the option to do, I'm sure it does, all command line things do, um, is you, you come up with sub subgroups to splinter the activities into. So I have other groups. So the primary one is still checkboxes, that has 32, but I also have exports, Next, log, weeklies, uh, film, trivia, and output uh, that are all tat. They all have at least four, but none of them have more than 11 other items that I should probably get to at some point. Um, probably but, get to at some point. But they feel organized, and that's really what's psychically important about them. So, Because this, this is where you, you build in the idea of... Um, Everything that's on your to-do list that doesn't directly involve the IRS is something you don't have to do. So you can pretty much just delete all of them at any time and just suffer the consequences of not doing those things. So you come to the question of whether or not the satisfaction of doing those things, which is the ultimate byproduct or symptom of doing a good job, is that you feel good about having done a good job. You have some sort of satisfaction. Um, if the satisfaction of organizing those things that you're not ultimately going to do, is that worth it over immediately experiencing the pain of deleting them? Um, and this comes to mind because we're uh, not to splinter too much, and I'll try to keep it contained, but uh, we're trying to reorganize the side of the gym right now, and there's a lot of ways that things can be organized, and I am extremely particular about prioritizing access or, or organization. I don't like drawers. I don't ever stack anything in front of anything else. Um, but that's not as satisfying a way to organize as to logically spread. Like, so for example, we have a wall that all of the stick tools are on. Brooms, shovels, those kinds of long tools that are a pain in the ass to store anywhere that's not dedicated to them. Burke bar. Yeah, Burke Bar. Um, those tools are not in any order on the wall. Mm. They're not arranged by height or purpose or anything. They are simply placed there. And the reason for that is very simple. It's experience-based. It's by the time you're done using them, you have no mental energy to put them back where they're supposed to be. So you just forfeit that entirely. But you do lose the organizational satisfaction for it. Um, and thankfully, in the case of construction, that's acceptable because construction is intrinsically satisfying. The problem with to-do list items is that it's almost always a function of satisfying dealing with just clutter. It's it's like dusting, basically, dealing with all these things. It is incredible. Like you, you mentioned bankruptcy. I have the same experience, I assume, but I guess I'll <laughs> ask you. Um, I, I assume I wrote all those things down there because they seemed important at the time. Yeah. Um, is it not incredible how many of them you just don't have to do? Well, that's one of the reasons to write them down, though. It's like like one of the functions of my to-do list 
is to is to stop me from from being distracted while I'm doing task A by the buffeting thoughts of you got to do tasks B, C, D, etc. Right. Yep. right. So getting it out there is like it it's it's helpful just to get it out there. Sometimes you'll do, go do that thing, but not always, and that's not even the only important function of it. Yep. No, it just always floors me how many of those things I can I can just let go and it's it's preferable for one reason or another to just not do them and forget about them. Except for all of your IRS related tasks. Yeah, unless you're going to jail for them. That's pretty much the only ones that you have to do. And those aren't those are infrequent, thankfully. So mm-hmm. I assume Task Warrior allows you to set up views so that you only see like certain things at certain times. Yeah, that's you have to type in a slightly longer command to see the view, right? So you could type in task to see your tasks. You can type in task project colon talk to see your talk tasks. And you could probably set up some kind of alias. Like for example, I've set the task add xyz command as the alias ta so let me say that again you can add a task with task add do a dish but i set it up so that you can do ta do a dish and i could probably set up more of those aliases to like be specific to projects but i haven't gotten that deep into it yet so yet or maybe ever um but it's possible Oh, it sounds like you like it a lot. Um, I've been, I don't think we've actually talked about this because the podcast has been on hiatus while I've been sick or out of town, but uh, I'm still sick, but I'm not so sick I can't do it. So I, uh, it turns out I really like visual interfaces, uh, which makes a lot of sense because I like organizing things in visual, like actual physical space and um, discovered the entire universe of uh, Microsoft Power Apps and Automate and Whoever's designing that stuff at Microsoft, uh, there's still plenty of bugs and plenty of things that are just boneheaded in its implementation. Uh, But the simple fact that it is designed to be visually representative, uh, I think will potentially, if they market it correctly, liberate an entire group of people that hate programming in every other fashion. Um, I'm very, and this, this will circle back around to you, Matt, obviously, since you're completing a course where this was not the option, but you seem to have done reasonably well. We'll get to that in two minutes but I just I want to preface this with where I'm at for the purpose of selfishness um please yeah so I know how to code I've coded in a billion different languages for about three weeks a piece uh practicing over and over and over again (laughs) and the places where power apps does coincide with coding I'm extremely fast at it and I hate it constant just hate doing it absolutely just Everything about sorting and filtering and arrays and cutting up strings and that stuff, I'm very good at it. I wish regular expressions were in every piece of software on the planet. Also, I hate doing all of that. It's absolutely (laughs) unsatisfying, and I could not do it for a living. But I could make an interface. With Power Apps. I could do, I could do, inter- if someone would come up with, and I'm, I'm sure it exists, but it involves too many command line things, and I would just hate the process of even installing it, because I've done that before too. Um, if I could like make the website in the process of, you know, if I could see the website in the process of making the website, I'd probably be much more amenable to making a website. This is now possible with things like React. So I hear. Yes. Um, and they, the only one I've used so far that has lived up to that promise is Power Apps. 
Okay. I have not had, I've not had an equivalent experience anywhere else. And again, I keep taking cracks at it. It's not like I'm closed minded about it. I'm just tired of people promising this and not delivering on it. So I'm glad Microsoft finally devoted enough resources to it. And one of the reasons I know from a previous conversation that you're exploring this right now is because you had a need to do so for something that you had to do on your team. You always so, got to code. There's always that, stuff oh, that needs that, code. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a permanent plague, especially in an organization that is um, savvy in specific domains and not others. It's incredible how well-versed our operations teams are at our company, given how sophisticated the enterprise data software we use is, how much more back-end and how just 1970s-ass assembly style the code is to make sure it runs efficiently. <laughs> Everybody understands that stuff. The thing they don't understand is like Python. Mm -hmm. It's basic scripting stuff. And it's incredible what kind of a value add you can provide on a team by being able to peripherally sort of understand how the real stuff works enough to bridge a gap with how it is operated on by the operators. Um, it's really staggering how I don't like I'm I'm a little myopic here because I have only really meaningfully worked for a single company, but it, it it just seems weird. And I get the impression that this is this is a very common gap because I mean, for one thing, the company I work for has been around for a long time and it is an old school company and it has all the same strengths and weaknesses of companies of size. Um, and siloing is a constant refrain in Dilbert comics. So I assume it comes up in a lot of places. Um, but it is, it is wild. And this, this is where I promise this will tie into what you're learning here, um, or have finished learning at this point, uh, in your boot camp is, um, cross pollination from technical to personal skills is where all the money is just like all of it, unless you are the best of the best in that field, in that specific silo. That ship has sailed for me. Exactly. And that's, 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 not, that's where, not a strategy that I could personally play at this point. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's kind of why that's, that's where I want to pivot this mm -hmm. toward, toward your experience with what's, what's the name of the boot camp you're in? I Rith guess, rhythm school. Rhythm it's like school. Algo rhythm. Yeah. Um, where, and I'll, I'll do this with two questions and then I'll let you go and hopefully they'll be open-ended enough. Um, where do you place yourself in the technical prowess of your class as a ranking? And where do you place your creativity as a ranking in that class? Uh, I've been kind of, it feels icky to do that technical comparison thing. And yet I kind of have thought about it. I think I'm at like, I'm, I'm in the top half. You could half. be wrong about it. That's I fine. could be wrong about it. I think I'm in the top half of the class and maybe the top third. I am definitely, there, there are two standout guys. On the technical. Yeah, technical, yeah. I'm talking just technical right now. Um, there are two guys in the class that are clearly like, maybe, well, they're tied for first place and I'm definitely not number one. Um, it's possible that I'm like tied for, so you have number one and number one, and then maybe I'm like in a three-way tie for number two, perhaps. Um, so yeah, top, top half, definitely top third, maybe. So well, I'm doing well in the class. Yeah. yeah. Um, your second question was about creativity. Uh, could you flesh that out a little bit more? No. What's your gut feeling about it? Um, uh, probably number one or two. 
Okay. The fact, I mean, th- this was the reason I sa- I didn't think you would need to is that you you already told us earlier in this conversation that everyone else in the class did a slide deck and you didn't for uh, a presentation. Yeah, and and one other so 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 creativity can mean like it, it can mean it, you deliberately left that pretty open. Yeah, I, I did think. on purpose. And one reason that I'm that I say like that I give myself a high ranking there like a very high ranking there is because it, one, one thing that comes to mind is like I'm willing to go first a lot of the time um, and you you kind of encapsulated this by saying like oh Matt you're a good team player you said that one time yeah. and a lot often in the class people will be shy about talking and I'm like someone has to start this fucking conversation. So like, <laughs> let's go. I'm going to jump into this. For example, um, the other day we did an exercise like where we got to talk about our skills. What are you good at, Matt? What are you good at, everybody? And we like wrote for five minutes, not this time with the education team, the technical education team, but rather with Sophie, the person who's in charge of um, the outcomes, like the, you know, talking about how to like get better at behavioral interviews and so on. And she gave us a couple minutes to like start writing out, hey, what are your what are your skills? And all right, who's gonna go first and talk about their skills? No one's raising their hand. And I'm like, yeah, people are looking at me. I can feel I can't feel the eye contact. <laughs> I can't feel the eye contact because of the nature of Zoom, right? But if we were in a room, people will be looking at me because I, I have been like the guy to go first in situations like that quite often. Um, and I said, like, I came off mute. I, I put my little boom mic down um, because I, the way I play Zoom is unlike every, literally everybody else in the class. I leave myself with the software permanently off mute so that I can tilt my boom mic down and talk that way because I don't want to, like, mess with the button pressing on the keyboard. Yeah. This is another way in which I'm creative, creative in my use of Zoom. Um, So I said, yeah, I'm fucking uncomfortable right now, um, but I'm just going first because I just want to jump into this cold pool. Did you swear? Excuse me? Did you swear? Not this time. uh, Rarely I will swear, um, but no, that was just for dramatic effect just then. Okay. Yeah. Um, However, yeah, rarely in class will I swear. And that's like par for the course with just about every, not everybody. Yeah, it's it's pretty par for the course in the course. Okay. To like rarely swear. Um, anyway, so I listed off my my good skills that I came up with uh, over the course of that five minutes, and then a couple people jumped in and like <laughs> floated my boat higher. They like gave me feedback. It's like Matt's done X Y Z. Matt did this for me, and I was like getting all flushed in the face. I could feel it, and I'm like. It feels like I'm delivering some value to my classmates. And that was cool. Yeah. I felt the need to push you to suggest that you were more creative than your classmates uh, for two reasons. One, it's obvious anecdotally that that's true. Because uh, every conversation... You haven't mentioned the name of any other single person in your class to me. And I feel like it would have come up at least once. If there was someone else who was doing something that was interesting as opposed to just competent. 
Uh, so that felt that felt reasonable. But the other one, of course, is that you are in the part of the class where you have to figure out what is going to happen next. Um, you have to at least start pivoting in that direction. I assume they have some reasonable guidance around that based on their not their acceptance numbers, their not their promotional numbers. What's yeah, the outcomes, right? The the, the, the people, the who landing get a jobs, job outcome, yeah, whatever yeah. you call that, um, are success rates. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The boot camp success rate uh, is reasonably high, and you can't you can't do that completely technically. So presumably they have something up their sleeve there. That's that's it. Uh, I'll add because I need to add at this point that somebody else did something creative during this talk. Right? Okay, okay. Get ready for this. So. He gave a PowerPoint, but in his PowerPoint, so, so he was talking about, and this is why this is on my uh, task warrior list that I showed you at the beginning, investigate facial computing, not spatial computing. Well, actually, yes, spatial computing. He did a presentation on virtual reality and getting work done in something like Apple Vision Pro. And during his presentation, he's like, all right, hang on a second. And then he like, puts on his Oculus Quest on his face and gives the rest of the presentation using uh, the VR headset on his face, like while on the webcam. And I thought that was, that, that was pretty striking. That was good of him. Very good. <laughs> so anyway, what are you, uh, what are you, what's, how much, actually, I guess first, how much longer do you have, how much rope are they giving you before you're out on your own? Um, the last day that we're formally meeting together is something like February 15th. Oh, that's very soon. Did I say February? I meant March. Okay, that's yeah, not that, very yeah. soon. <laughs> so a month of professional development, ostensibly. Yeah, that's right. And in addition to the professional development stuff, there will be... So right now, we have not abandoned the technical stuff at this point. In fact, we, we are done with the curriculum. We're done with like learning the new stuff. Now we're going through like a little internship like thing where, and I compared this to um, middle school band, like the first year of middle school band where all the students first learn by playing all the same thing at the same time. And then eventually it's like, all right, listen, everybody, now it's time to play different parts simultaneously. Uh, that's what we're doing now. So each, each pair group is like working on their individual issues to then get turned into pull requests when, as we make like a bigger product together. Oh, there's a larger, a larger collaborative element beyond the pairs for this. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so let me, let me sure. flesh that out a little bit. So there are, there are eight of us, eight students per team and then two leaders. So you have like the, the main lead and then like the right hand man of the lead, for example. Uh, and then the eight students, like I said. And the eight students are each in their pair team. So effectively, there are four teams. Each of those four teams are like working on the so-called issues, also known as tickets. And when that issue has been finished up by the pair team, they send a pull request into one of the two team leads for review. And then one of those two team leads will either approve it and merge it into the main product, or send it, in most cases, send it back with some comments for improvement. So that's what we're working through right now. Do you have a list of these tickets that you just burned through? Mm -hmm. Or, okay. Yep, at the beginning of the project, the leaders um, have to find like, hey, here's what needs to happen. Okay. Do you get any say in which tickets you pick up? Or are you just given 
Not really, ones? not okay. really. Um, at the beginning, so so somewhat unrelated to this, at the beginning of the project, it was our responsibility to each of us individually, the, us students, had the responsibility of going through the code base and like presenting on a particular topic. We didn't get to choose this part either, but I think that maybe we maybe the leaders of the class were like biased in favor of stuff that we individual students have like expressed an interest in before. So I told you that I gave a presentation the other day on regular expressions. I think one reason why I was chosen to like present on that is because I've I've used regex in some of my solutions and it's like not actually been a part of the course. It's just like kind of like a nice trick to have up your sleeve, sure. but like not not like required. Um, so me and Carl were like the regex guys. And then after that, so that was like, I guess, Monday and Tuesday of last week. Then I was paired with somebody else to like go and work on those tickets for the rest of the week. How often do the pairs alternate? Um, so it was me and Carl like doing the regex thing for two or three days. And then it was, it's been me and Tegan for uh, the last two or three days working on these tickets as well. Who's your longest lasting pair? Um, not during this project, not during this like inter mini internship thing, um, but throughout the course, we've had, we've had several so-called sprints, uh, which are effectively longer than normal exercises. So like normally you'll be paired with a person for one day to like learn this new concept and implement that concept like during an exercise. But again, four times during this course, we've had sprints uh, where we would work with the same pair partner for up to, I think, four days okay. was the longest one. So not terribly long. What's your favoriteest assignment so far? Ooh. Um... The first thing that comes to mind is probably just a recency bias thing, but React. So React is the front front end framework that we use to build a project called Jobly, the home for jobs. It's a job finding app. Very good. Yeah. Um, so it's so we we actually built both a back end and a front end for this app. So like I guess I guess maybe three or four weeks ago when we were working in the backend framework called Express, that's like the JavaScript like way that you can run a server to like serve stuff up via like either an API or well, yeah, it's it like interacts with your database so that you can like use the API to like serve stuff up to the front end. And then you can write a front end, i.e. the stuff that like shows up on the person's browser uh, in this like component kind of way. Um, so like, when I say component, you can think of like a flowchart of the different parts of the website that will then be presented to the user. So for instance, on this like on this job finding website, you're going to have components for like, I don't know, here's like literally just the home page. Here's a component for the nav bar. Here's a component for like an individual job card and how this thing gets displayed on the page. Um, and here's like, I don't know, the form to add a new job. That's its own component. Oh, oh and by the way, like the button in this form is itself a component too. Um, it's, it's, it sounds kind of complicated the way that I'm explaining it right now, but the nice thing about React and like working with this project Jobly is that like it takes, so I guess of an earlier iteration of like 
building a website, HTML, JavaScript, CSS, and so on, you have everything like split out among like different files. When you, when you make something with React, you can put all of the stuff associated with one of these components just like together. So it's not, it's not like you're, you're literally writing like CSS right next to HTML, right next to JavaScript. It's not quite like that. But it's similar in the sense that like for your for your job card, for example, you're writing everything associated with that card like in the same ish spot. And it's like a nicer way of organizing that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess I liked Jobly and React because it like tied together a bunch of the different things that I feel like I've been learning lately. Also, I like it probably because I worked on it most recently when I felt like most competent in this course so far. Uh, so there's probably that too. I mean, that doesn't hurt. Um, has the course felt like it is built pyramidally? Do you, do you just use everything from the previous sack of knowledge as you build this pile of competency? I wouldn't say everything. However, well, not everything all the time. However, when going back to this, um, when like entering this new internship like project i keep putting scare quotes around it but you get it like it's this um eight person project that yes. i just described a little while ago called the internship um i surprisingly we surprisingly went back to a framework that we thought we weren't going to touch again so like sort of in the middle of the course we learned about flask and it it feels in a certain sense like a detour a little bit um, so Flask is like a backend framework that uses Python to like do a lot of the work of like talking to your database and delivering like raw information to the front end to then get processed. And I say that it felt a little bit like a detour because like it was Python as opposed to JavaScript. So whereas most of the course has been done in JavaScript, that is like for the front end, just using raw JavaScript to display stuff and some backend stuff using Express. It's like, hey, by the way, here's another framework that you can that you can use. And then it's done. Like we did three weeks of it and then it's like, all right, we're gonna say goodbye to Python now. We're going back to JavaScript so that so that we can do JavaScript in the back end. Um, was that the largest detour you had to make programmatically? Well, it, and I, I kind of describe it as a detour because like it was learning a different programming language, but it was, it was also necessary in a certain sense because one of the one of the things that they're trying to drive home in the course is that like yeah sure you are learning javascript and like a little bit of typescript too like javascript's kind of successor in a certain sense um but you're also learning how to learn this stuff so one of one of my takeaways from like from the python week or the python weeks was like, okay, we learned we learned this stuff in one context first, the JavaScript context. And then we're like learning a new programming programming language in a certain sense, although I have to caveat this by saying I do I did have some Python experience already. Um, however, like my classmates were all were really quick to pick it up. And I was quick to like get back into it after having had like nine months away from it. Yeah. Um, and the takeaway there was like you can pick this stuff back up quite quickly. And if you need to pick something else up in a new job, 
you can do that too. So that's probably like, that's one of the reasons why, why we have a detour into this. And I probably, probably detour is the wrong word for this because it's like a deliberate, like, Hey, let's go learn this. And this backend is going to support the JavaScript front, front ends that you're building right now too. So like, it's all good. Yep. However, we've come back to using Flask for the thing that we're building out now. And to come back to your question, it's like, I, I'm, able to, to jump back into it. It's like not seamless, but it is like, all right, like I apparently did learn this stuff and I can get back into this. And oh, Python's actually quite nice. I'd like to use it more. And Flask is too. That wasn't my experience with Flask, but again, I have bad experiences with all this stuff. So <laughs> that can be forgiven. What did you try there? <laughs> what? Oh, I was setting up a server. I don't even remember what it was for. It was two years ago now. I think it was board game related mm -hmm. setting some kind of thing up this wasn't for captain sonar was it no captain sonar i let i i tried to i tried to play manager on that and was technically successful but in a way that was deeply unsatisfying because eric basically went and made a go server that had apis that could basically run a game of captain sonar if you felt the need or desire to plug into it and i didn't so it didn't <laughs> Yeah, it is weird because the the nearest analog to that would be like a game engine, and I've had a harder time getting into those than I would have expected, um, almost because they are and and again it's why it's why I keep harping on power apps in a nauseating and boring way is somehow they've cracked this like middle ground where game engines hold your hand a little too much like they're they're built too much like they want anybody to be able to make a game. Um, so there's a lot of templature to them that you can get around, but you still have to, you know, you, you're navigating an interface that was built so that it looks approachable to people who don't know what they're doing. Uh -huh. And that, that produces a lot of inefficiencies, um, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, and PowerOps has some of those too, but it seems like getting around them is easier. I'm currently toying around with GameMaker semi-unsuccessfully in the background just to see if maybe maybe a different one will help but again it, it's it's hard to explain in a in a terse way but it's it again it, it feels too much like play-doh it feels too much or i guess lego may be a more appropriate analogy it feels like it was built too much to do what it does uh, which is probably practical if you have a game you want to make but if you just want to use it as a general computing language it's not very practical for that but the second you zoom out from that, you you go to Flask. So that's that's a trap. This game maker thing, we're not talking about graphically intense kinds of games. It's oriented toward two D. It'll okay. begrudgingly do three D. Okay, okay. Uh, are, are we talking about something like Spelunky or yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Those kinds of games can be made on it pretty uh, pretty easily. Not that I want to make a game, but that's you know. I've had a general lack of desire to work on stuff recently anyway, so that's why we haven't started on the bathroom yet. That's why I bought, I mean, Captain Sonar was supposed to be built in software and then have hardware eat at it um, <laughs> as a reverse Andresen. Um, the good old RA. Okay. Yeah, and I, I, I bought $300 worth of 
electrical equipment that would facilitate doing that. Um, it's kind of just rotting on a shelf. Thankfully, that stuff's mostly shelf stable. It'll be there forever. <laughs> Relays don't really as, as long as you don't put it in the hangar shelf. Yeah, exactly. It's in refrigerated space. And, right, and relays relays generally don't go bad, so I'm not too worried about it. It's also the kind of project that I feel like I just need a nudge and I will I will fall over into it, but I'm just not I'm just not there yet. Um a lot of stuff did go bad in the hangar. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. You you mentioned earlier the satisfaction of construction. What about the satisfaction of destruction? What? Uh, did, only did, if it's planned. Did, was the hangar destruction planned? What? Oh, the taking it down, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I could convince my dad that taking... You weren't there when we were taking multiple ribs of the, the tent down at the same time. But I, uh, I insisted that we not take them down one at a time. Not because it was safer or faster or whatever to take them down multiple at a time, but because we hadn't done that. Um, and that seemed more value add than just systematically dismantling a thing that we're going to put up and regret having put back up probably because we regretted it the first time. Why would we regret it, not regret it the second time? <laughs> because it'll be closer. You mentioned, you said the word access at one point during this conversation. It's important, man. You put it closer, all your hangar dreams are fulfilled. It's Suddenly. still it's still a large plastic covered structure. I've okay. I've basically given up on plastic as a material. <laughs> plastic has like a lot of useful properties, but in its modern conception, it is so frequently just sort of a semi-symbolic, semi-mechanical way to say that you don't care about something to build it out of plastic. Yes. Even if plastic lasts a long time, you can't repair it. And there's just like, there's a very basic psychic problem with that where everything that's plastic feels disposable, mm -hmm. no matter how much you pay for it. Um, so I've leaned away from that pretty hard. And your next 3D printer will therefore, therefore not be plastic 3D. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're Man. getting up on having a fabrication plant anyway, so the 3D printer should be mostly superfluous anyway. I also like those for for little plastic stuff. I've been totally fine just using those little uh, thermoplastic cards that you can mold. So, you they're they're little credit card shaped things, and um, you put them in a cup of hot water, and they melt, and then they and then at room temperature they're hard. Oh, I I tried to prototype something out of one of those before, and then lost interest <laughs> stop trying <laughs> look that's a lot cheaper than buying a 3d printer and losing interest so no i just always like there's there's some things i can imagine but like uh the the new prusa 3d printer looks fine but they um they came out they finally came out with a um a stereolithographic printer and i think that's the only the only kind of plastic printer i would even consider buying at this point is one that uses the proper resin, um, the 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 process where it's like a pile of goo and yes. it extracts it, it takes out. It out, yes. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would even bother with a a quote unquote standard extrusion printer anymore. Do you is that kind of thing in the category of plastic? Is that plastic? It's on the edge. Okay. I think resin is very much on the edge of that conversation. Yeah, when when you make something out of resin, I guess that's like an art 
project that you've put some some like heart and soul into though i don't know much about this but i'm thinking of like a mask that dylan would make did he make those out of out of resin yeah those are i there's technically plastic elements to them but they are yeah i it's again there's there's something different feeling about it it's not it's not quite the same thing like my fursuit head i i don't yeah, I know there's there's some hydrocarbon compound, I'm sure resin is and I'm just not I'm not remembering what it is cuz it's not metal, so it has What to. else could it possibly yeah, be? Yeah, there's nothing it's else. It's not metal, so hmm, yeah. it's not organic. If it it's not metal plastic. and it's not wood, that's about it. <laughs> like that's all you got and wood's still a hydrocarbon, so yeah, you're pretty much stuck there. But no, resin for whatever arbitrary reason feels a little bit different, I don't know. I'm still not going to buy one. They're like they're still too expensive. They're over a thousand dollars for a good one. I saw some some more wood in the far part of the backyard. You started building a bridge to nowhere. What? I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, there's got to be somewhere back there, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> take that bridge and you get to like the upturned roots of the trees that that are, have fallen in parallel. Yeah, that's where it goes. It's a bridge to that. <laughs> No, I ran out of wood that I had. Uh, I ran out of wood that I had painted, so I couldn't keep going. But uh, at some point, it wasn't keep going. much further to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I ran out. We also have to stabilize that tree because it's going to fall and snap all that stuff. But... Wait, which there are two trees there. Yeah. Two trees that at fell least in one of those trees needs support under it, so it doesn't shake so much when you oh, step on it. Okay, because Put... if it if it breaks, that's not it's not going to do its job. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But that's all future stuff. What's in the present? The present contains a boot camp. It yes. contains so I like like what I'm doing for my job and it's making me really nervous and uncomfortable. The fact that you like it. Yeah, I don't like liking <laughs> what I do. I feel like it's part of my contract with um I feel like it's part of my contract with professional life that I'm being compensated to do something I would otherwise not do. And that's not currently true. And I don't know how to deal with that psychically. So, or emotionally. So it's better, really, it's really making me up. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> the problem is it feels like it's, it's the kind of thing where I've, I've found a sweet spot and like, this is something I could excel at in such a way that I, I'm imagining how I will fuck up attempting to exploit the fact that I found something I like. So I'll like find another job where my talents as a whatever I am are like appreciated at a greater pay scale than where I am. And then they will have the leverage over me to tell me to do something else and that'll ruin it. Like I'm just like the, the future casting is really bad right now. Um, I'm also spending a lot of time at work as a result of it, which I also don't like doing. Even if you it's don't something like, I like, you doing. don't like liking what you're doing. No, I don't like spending that much time on work stuff because okay. I don't like like I don't like devoting that much mental and literal time to doing something that is not self-directed, um, which is the point at which most people decide to become their own boss. Um, but I don't want to do that either, really. That doesn't really sound that great. I could be an administrator, I guess, since that's sort of what I am now. And that's kind of the thing that I like is that I've been given, I haven't been given autonomy. I have accidentally stumbled into a place where I have an autonomy that other people can't take from me. Um, that's all the power apps thing is. It's, yeah. it's finding a loophole where I can, 
I can basically have my own database without asking anybody else that everybody has access to, which is incredibly liberating because asking security for anything just sucks and takes the life out of everyone. That, by the way, is one of the reasons why I'm no longer an actuary, actually, because I asked security one day for, uh, for administrative rights to my computer. And then for, I don't know what reason, and they gave it to me for a day. So I installed everything. <laughs> and then I looked over my shoulder for the rest of my tenure at that company. I was like, ooh, are they going to find out all these programs that I'm using right now? I don't know. I might get fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> so not right. I yeah. think security side uninstalled one of, my, one of my apps that I installed on my work laptop. I had a thing where, so Apple, <laughs> I, I, I love, I'll probably do an episode on it at some point <laughs> if I start getting back into at least many, if not full on essays about how great being an f- Apple fanboy is, but um, it's very, it's very satisfying. But one of the, one of the couple of slip ups they still have um, is their, their use of mice is still absolutely insane for the sake of differentiation. So the side buttons on the mouse mean back and forward in any windows or Linux program. Mm -hmm. Like those are obviously what those should mean in a web browser and they don't on Mac. Um, I believe the forward one opens a new window, which is a totally useless piece of functionality. Um, so there's a, there's an app. You're going to open a new window. You're on the keyboard anyway. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely just idiotic. It's, it's someone being stubborn. Um, but there's an app called sane side buttons, I believe. And all it does is map the side buttons to be the buttons you would want them to That's, be. That right there is like the reason why I want to become a software engineer. To yep. make little little stuff like that. To yep. like like little niche products to improve someone's life that cares. Yep. And then maybe like put a little button on my website that says like buy me a coffee. And that like if I could live on that kind of thing, I'd love that. No, that sounds pretty good. Uh, the problem, of course, being that no one, no one gives you coffee for it. Uh, you have yeah, to, yeah. yeah. So, and, so maybe like, like when I say, "Ooh, I want to help make the world a better place through software," for example, it sounds a little bit cringy, but like those little thing, those little kinds of things that you just described, that's delightful to me. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. So, no, it's why I love building the dashboard out that I've been working on because everything that I do to it makes it slightly less frictionous to do for our implementation managers to do their work. And that's very satisfying. Um, And you're given, very few people are given the privilege to do that, especially at like close range. So most people that you would, would develop a dashboard like the one that I'm working on are in a DevOps department. They're in IT. They're in a completely different organization that does not give a shit about the people that are using the software. They're institutionally incapable of it because they're sitting behind a bunch of tickets. They have a bunch of other people to serve. They don't have time to actually figure out what you need. I'm embedded in that group. So I know exactly what they needed to do. Um, And that really does. And I know institutionally it would be the administration of the way that I would want to do this would probably be too taxing in some arbitrary, stupid way. Or or senior IT people complain about it because this is how they do things. Um, but IT people should be embedded in the organizations that they support. I don't, I, I, I see very little advantage to having a distinct IT department because you can't, you, you can't, you can't properly assess the best way to solve a problem like that. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, not to denigrate that profession or the boot camp you just went through, although you may have opinions on this and educated ones at this point. This shit's not that hard. Like if you have the capacity to understand any element of coding or user interface or any of that stuff, you can pretty much figure out how to do anything. You just kind of sit there and you figure it out. Someone has done all the pieces. You just put them together. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's not unskilled labor. There's plenty of people that can't do it and plenty of people that are skilled at it are bad at it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not, I, I don't see the advantage of making it hierarchical. It should be support staff, but, um, it's not rocket surgery. It is not rocket surgery. No part of, no part of it. Although it could help with rocket surgery. You can make a little app and sorts your tools and gives you a schedule. Sorts all that out. And that could be your future. We'll see. My, my, one of the things that I am all about here is that my future, <laughs> what could be my future? It's very, it's very open-ended at this point. And that's... Well, that's kind of scary, but it's also kind of hopeful because like, you know, it could be doing something like making a side button app for your, for your mouse. Well, it probably won't be that because that one guy has covered it, but you know, I'm getting the skills to do like little enjoyable things like that. Sort of like what you do in your workshop and like building stuff around this house here, but like with a keyboard and that, that feels good, mm -hmm. at least to me. You also have much more of a tolerance for the, um, not the Internet of Things, but the predecessor to it, the Linux box mm -hmm. environment thing. I which, like playing around with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's that's something I have tried to figure out how to like playing around with and mm -hmm. just have I've not succeeded. So that's a significant leg up on its own. I'm not saying it's always pleasurable. Sometimes <laughs> you like beating your head against it, but then that moment of satisfaction, like when I was when I was doing Arch Linux, I don't do that anymore, by the way. But when I was using Arch Linux and I got the printer to work, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I can print <laughs> stuff now. This is amazing." Yeah, <laughs> still little victories. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess my problem. I I don't derive enough momentary pleasure from figuring that stuff out. Mm -hmm. I just when it works, I'm mad at the process it takes to accomplish yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I can step back and feel that sense of fury as well. Yeah. But that's not the only thing that I feel there. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> that will serve you well. So, um, In other news, a review of the .38 millimeter uh, Sharpie S-Gel pen. I'll give it to it's, me. It's a little over half the diameter of my standby .7 millimeter pen. Yeah. Uh, which is now the gold standard gel pen, um, as far as I'm concerned. Sharpie can do no wrong in the uh, writing utensil <laughs> department. Uh, the 38 is, um, I won't call it even better, but it is it is easily the smoothest writing fine point pen I've ever used. Oh my God. I don't know who Sharpie's in contact with. I don't know which factory is they're working with. Is this one of them with. right here too? Is that it? I d uh, it'll say on the top of it. Which, so it says which, 38. Yep. Yep. Okay, yeah, it writes stuff. so finely. Yeah, you've got one. Let me try. It is, it is so sharp. Ooh. You can write insanely small with it. Yeah, that's pretty nice. This is a pen. That. It's not even like they're more expensive. They're about a dollar twenty a piece, I think. So they're more than the point sevens, but not by much. Um, I'm still testing it out now. 
I got some slashes, some cursive. Here's some print from my name. I got one little skip here. Uh oh. Otherwise, quite good. No, I'm very happy with it. Uh, and then the other news is um, we're down one and up one. Uh, Ryan has left the premises, as alluded to in previous podcasts. Yes. He will show up on weekdays probably when he gets bored. And I don't think my dad's probably going to appear on the podcast, but he's now here. Uh, Did he move in? Or I, I Sort of. Yeah, okay. You know, the place is available to him um, at his want. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Probably get into some gardening at some point here. Since I've got a lot of places with tall grass I don't like. So we'll get into that. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll stop being sick at some point here. I went to Las Vegas and got sick. Uh, four consecutive times with just varying diseases, um, <laughs> which was not, that wasn't great. Um, I was on four medications, would have been on five, but I uh, opted to just not even bother going into the doctor for the last one. Um, and that's, I think I, I'm, I stand by that decision at this point based on how <sighs> symptoms have developed. So, But then I think I bronchitis from another thing um, that I, from a, party I got to right after Vegas I've stopped interacting with people yeah it's yeah. it's really bad for my health but um, I thought you learned this lesson before I have I've learned it many times yeah. and I'm always coming back you just never learn with people <laughs> they're the worst you could try my my strategy and just like hold yourself up with zoom calls for weeks that's sailing a couple times. Yeah. No, your tolerance of Zoom calls is another strength that I do not share with you. So I, I cannot stand video calls. Uh, somebody pointed out not only that. So, so in addition to your pointing out that I can do video calls, um, the, more than one of the teachers of this course has appreciated my, um, my, the facial expressions that I've offered in reaction to different portions of the course. Um, so most most of the time, most of the people are just kind of like looking at the camera or like looking at their computer monitor like this. For those not looking, uh, Matt is staring off to the side like he's looking at a second screen. Yeah, no matter video game or that, or, no matter what's happening, that's like the face. Yeah. But I'll like I'll engage with the class by going like, or, or, or something like that. So yeah. like like. Uh, I'm 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 trying to like I'm trying to make them feel like their job is appreciated because like when I was giving those when I was giving similar kinds of demonstration <laughs> I I felt like is anybody fucking listening to me right now what is happening that when I when I gave the demonstrations of software at my old job yeah. and it's like I don't know I'm just going to start rolling with it though but it always felt a little hollow it's one of the reasons why I quit that job. Right? Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the hollowness. I was like, how can I how can I help improve both the teachers lives and like make the world a little bit more of a weird place by offering these uh, these these facial expressions? And I found a way and I've done so. No, I mean, that will be <laughs> that will be the lightning strike that you will you will eventually find a company that that shares your specific ethos of team player. 
uh, without being a uh, toxic hellhole, which is usually what places like that devolve into when they're performative about it. Yeah. You don't manage to fall into that trap, which makes you insanely rare. Like most people I, that act like that are crazy. So, so, so yeah, I, I also, so in addition to the stuff that I just described, I also have like an intolerance for bullshit at the same time. Yeah. Right. So, so like I, I'm, I'm, if I felt like I were being delivered a bad product, I wouldn't play this game. I would just like probably have dropped out a while ago. But this product is like a good product. Like I, f- I feel I feel on board with the mission here. Not not that's not quite right, the right way of saying it. I feel like like my time is being well spent and it's worth engaging with this. How do you think you'd do as a manager? If I cared about the product that I was, if I cared about the product and the mission that my company is working on, I think that I could be a good manager. Okay. I've just never been in that situation before, so I don't know. I'd like to test that sure. at some point during my life. And this is one of the reasons why I'm like doing the career thing once again, rather than dropping out entirely. Yeah. Because I think that there is some unexplored potential there in me. Um, but like, I've never cared enough about what I was working with to go test that yeah that seems although you can use as a shortcut if you can figure out how to give enough of a shit about the people you manage theoretically you can get around that that way too maybe uh, maybe but i suspect not like like uh i don't know i i really don't know and i'd like to test that kind of thing the reason i guess the reason why i would react to just them by saying i suspect not is because like I don't think that I could get to a position of caring and a position where where I'd be given responsibility over others if I didn't care enough in the first place about the thing that I was working on. So I guess it's like the the kind of chicken egg problem there. Yeah. Like if I if I somehow just like woke up and found myself in a position of responsibility over some people and I didn't care about the mission that we were all like striving toward I guess that would win out. I guess, like, and that, that's kind of a family thing, too, right? So, like, one reason that people derive, one way that people derive meaning from their work, I've seen actuaries do this, don't actually care about actuarying very much. It's like, well, I have a family, so I'm going to do this for them. And I kind of get that, right? Yep. You have a family, so you got to be responsible for them. But, and, and I <coughs> guess that I could have ended up in a position like that myself, but I was fucking scared of that. Yep. So I didn't. Well, maybe that's like a post hoc explanation for like the sure. situation that I'm in. But yeah, yeah. It, it all ties together, I suppose. No, I think of Anna in the situation who hates everything about her job except for her students. I saw her wearing a shirt saying, my favorite people call me. Yeah, Mrs. Bowman. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so... It's, yeah, it's distinctly possible to do that. And I've been through plenty of phases at my job where, um, I mean, this this just fits sort of the personality as a support guy that I have anyway. But it's where, you know, whatever dumb shit we're trying to pursue, all we're, all our group is trying to do is keep the company floating, you know, whatever the executive team is pursuing. So... That it fits somewhat psychically into that, and would it be better? 
if we were doing something that was cool? Yes, except that I have, <laughs> um, I have managed to float my way toward a position, as I've alluded to, where I'm actually wary of that because it would potentially consume my life in a way that I don't like, and I could imagine myself uh, not liking that. Uh, so. Uh, uh. I may have pinballed my way into a, a specific uh, a specific band of employment, which could be disrupted at any time. So maybe do it for five years. Love like make that your whole life for five years, and then it's over, right? I don't. I don't think I can. I don't think I'm cut out to do that. I would fugue out of that. Five years is too long. I could do it for a handful of months. Three years. Handful, handful of months okay that's that's about the longest i've gone tolerating any particular situation i so. think that i think that i could like like if i found a mission that i aligned with i could do like three years where i where i just did that yep maybe yep. and i hope to like that's kind of the aim here yep um is it possible well it's probably possible is yep. it feasible we'll see yep Indeed, we will. In other news. In other news. I finished. uh, Oh, okay. I finished the simple goal of simple and sinister, the kettlebell workout routine. So um, I've been been doing this workout routine on and off for like years now. (laughs) And and I I finally was like, all right, I'm actually going to read. I'm I'm actually going to listen to this one part of the book that says like, you should go and work out like with this frequency. So before... I was, um, I was just like, my standard for myself was like work out every other day and that's fine. And do like the, the two workouts, swings, like one handed swings and Turkish get ups. So like you stand up, you have the kettlebell on the floor, you're laying down, you stand up and put it above your head. Right. Um, so, so finally I was like, all right. I want to move on to a, a different routine, but I want to hit the goal. Like, so at the back of the book, it says like, everybody should, all, all men should be able to hit this weight with these exercises in like this time requirement. And I've, I, I was doing it on and off for a couple of years and I didn't get to that. So I was like, all right, I'm actually going to listen to like the injunction to, do the exercises like five times a week instead of like just every other day. So I guess I get like 3.5 times a week. Um, so I was doing it like five times a week and I was actually like asking myself like, all right, do like do this set with the increased weight this time. And I fucking got it. I finally got it. So I got, um, a hundred swings and 10 get ups in 16 minutes with the red one the other day i was like all right is this gonna be the day <laughs> and the answer is yes so i did it and i was like all right cool i'm happy about this how much is the red one the red one is 32 kilograms oh okay that's a lot it's like 70 71 pounds seems like a lot of swings it's two poods 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 it's it's the um <laughs> the russian kettlebell unit of measurement so the yellow one's one the green one is 1.5 and the red one is two poods (laughs) it sounded slavish (laughs) 
<laughs> so I'm happy about this. And so, uh, what's the stretch goal? What's the sinister one? The, the sinister one I'm not going for. Oh, okay. Uh, so, very good. so they said it's called simple and sinister. And one of the reasons it's called that is because like, well, we've we've cut it down to the two most basic exercises. And it's like, that resonates with me because I don't have too much time to go spend in the gym. I just want to get in and out, right? <laughs> That's it. Um, and it's like, it's it's easy. Like, you can go hit the standard for your day and you've worked out. It's like runners like to run. And it's like, I, I don't want to run. Like, I'll, I'll do some like in between. I, I like to do some like in between kind of workout, which is like somewhere in between running and lifting weights. Uh, so I get it all at the same time. Like I get the I get the benefits of getting the heart rate up. I get the benefits of the resistance training all at the same time with kettlebells using simple and sinister. Um, so the simple goal was what I just described, the two poods. Uh, the sinister goal, I couldn't even tell you what it is, <laughs> but, but it is it may, it may involve um, only thirty eight kilograms. But I think it involves like forty something kilograms, and I'm not going there. That's that's I'm not I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably also not even capable. Oh well, I mean, probably not today. Yeah, yeah, not today. Like maybe it'd be possible, but yeah, I'm I'm not trying to optimize for that kind of thing. I just want to get my heart rate up and do that. So yeah, I think. I think that I might be done with that workout. I might move on to some other kind of thing, but I'm not really pushing too hard on that front right now. I just wanted, I did push a little bit and I'm happy with that result. It's a pretty accomplished month, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy with that. Just chewing through stuff. Two just, poods. Just two poods. <laughs> some sailing. Some sailing, yeah. Have you gone rock climbing? No, no, I, I decided to um, to stop rock climbing um, for this course, so I've just like completely cut it out. Okay. So my last my last rock climbing was back in in Denver, and strangely, I haven't I haven't missed it too much. Interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I, I I I miss it, sure, but I didn't like feel a feel like a void or anything like that. It's like, oh man, I I really love that. Now it's gone. It's just like just kind of nothing. I don't, re- I don't really know what to make of that, but, yeah. I don't know. It sounds positive. It means you don't have to overburden your schedule, as long as it doesn't feel like it's missing something else, but... I don't. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't mean to imply that, that my life doesn't feel like it has gaping holes in it. It does, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to leave it to the side, but, you know, I guess we can... We can acknowledge it at least if we don't address it. Um, yeah, I didn't come here with anything else. I'm still basically just forcing myself to produce content until whatever's going on in my general organs sort of subsides. So hopefully that'll happen and then I'll do something interesting, which I haven't done in a while. Well, I've enjoyed this machination logging with you. As have I, Matt. Thanks for being part of the machination log. And then I'll have to superimpose uh, good afternoon, everyone, at the beginning, because I didn't say it at the beginning. We just kind of rolled into it, so. Good afternoon, everyone.